Rachel Show. Hi, this is Rachel. And Natalie. And we are the sisters that bring you Insta Mamas. The podcast where we talk everything from foster care to adoption to healthy, clean living, motherhood, and everything in between. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Natalie. And this is Rachel. We have been MIA for a few months, but we have very good reason. And we're excited to bring you season two of the Insta Mamas. If you haven't got a chance to, please go back and listen to episodes one through six. And that will be our first season. But Natalie, one of our Insta Mamas, has some exciting news of why we've been MIA for the past few months. It's pretty exciting. I know you guys have been following our adoption journey, uh, adopting a little girl named Serbi from India and we got the call and on November 2nd we flew across the world to adopt my little daughter and and today we're just going to talk a little bit about that and um, Rachel and I's journey the first moments meeting our daughters and becoming a mom because for us it really was instant motherhood and Mm -hmm. being thrown into the trenches and there's just so much that's different but it's kind of like our you know, the yes. night you were born stories that we're going to tell our daughters as and they grow up. as you know, my child was adopted from the foster care system. Natalie's was adopted from halfway across the world. And also today we have a guest, one of my students. Say hi. Hi, I'm Georgia. And we're excited. And she has some questions that she wants to ask Natalie about India. And so we're really excited to have her. Yeah, so why don't we get started with uh, George's questions, and then Rachel and I will jump into our stories, and that'll help us get started on our podcast. So, Georgia, what is your first question? How is the Indian culture different from our culture? So there were lots of things that were different. Food was different, very spicy compared to what we eat. I was telling her a little bit, they eat with their hands a lot. Lots of really delicious breads and rice that help us. So you kind of eat, first you start eating the curries and uh, kind of uh, soupy type foods to us with bread. And then once you run out of bread, you mix it with the rice and make it in little balls and just eat it. So you get really messy while you're eating. And, uh, but most of the waiters just brought us silverware because they knew that we were from Yeah, America. so you definitely weren't eating keto. Yeah, no, I couldn't eat keto, but I did notice that a lot of things were very healthy. Everything was homemade, even the stuff we ate in our hotel room. So mm-hmm. it was pretty good. So another cultural thing that was really different was language. Um, it was very difficult being in a place where very few people spoke English. And uh, we were probably the only Caucasian people in the entire region we were at. We... Um, we were there for a month in a small town of only 250,000 people. Um, and then we were in a town, a town, a city of 18 million people. So we kind of saw village life. We saw big city life. Um, people drive like they make Rachel look like good driver, like a good driver. <laughs> but did you die? Uh, almost uh, several times. Anyways, no, uh, yeah, we, um, people just drive there's no lane system there are lanes especially in Delhi but people just drive everywhere there's motorcycles with three and four five people on them sometimes um rickshaws that just zip in and you jump on it well and it was funny because your smaller village that you visited isn't like a normal village that people go on vacation and didn't one of the locals say like why are you here yeah, like you could see this whole city in one day and you've been here for like a month yeah they're like why are you staying so long and we're like uh you know it just takes time so um now we got to see so many things and because we were there so long 
adopting our daughter, we got to see kind of a different side of India, not just the touristy side. So um, loving people, very generous, very crazy drivers, very good food. <laughs> so what does poverty look like there? Yeah, so this is, uh, we talked a little bit about this. Um, it was hard to see, honestly. In America, there's definitely poverty. And, uh, but, and it's like we hide it here. You know, we, um, kids can get food at school and all kids go to school. They have the opportunity at least. Um, and there's, there's charities and programs. And um, in some places in India, there's great charities and great programs. But there are some kids that are almost naked. They're, you know, begging or selling things on the side of the road. And so that was really hard for me to see children. And obviously, you know, um, there's also um, orphanages and orphans that need parents. And that's one of the reasons we chose India as the country we adopted our daughter from. But yeah, that was... Um, do, the, do the poor people steal? No, um, not that we saw. I mean, there's definitely criminals like everywhere. You know, if you go to New York City, you hold your purse tight and <laughs> you got to be careful. But I mean, we even people that had very little were very generous people. And um, there were definitely people. I didn't see a ton of people begging for money. A lot of people were selling stuff like and and so I do think there is that. Um, sometimes we have a misconception, you know. But lots of hungry people, you know, that was, um, but you have to be careful when taking money out to even buy stuff. You have to be careful when you go to the ATM, you know, like any big city, but yeah. But the, the poverty is more visible. You saw it a lot more there. Mm. Good question. Um, what does the family structure look like? Um, pretty traditional family, mom, dad, children. Um, one thing I, I realized is grandmothers and and grandfathers it's very normal to have many generations in one family which um, I love I mm -hmm. love that so you and if your grandmother's too old to work like you take care of her and um, aunties and you know here we move away from our families but there you might have a block that's like auntie uncle grandma grandpa you know everybody lives really close and might even live in the same house together so um, it's very common for mom to stay home and for dad to go out and work. Um, and it is common even for, um, if your family owns a business, like we went to a clothing shop and even there was a seven-year-old boy, he was one of the salesmen. And so <laughs> he was like, I'd be like, I'd ask for something, but we didn't speak Hindi very well. So we would try to ask it in Hindi. And then the little boy would be like, dad, hats, you know? <laughs> and so then he would climb up really high and get hats. So um, the whole family, the grandma was sitting next to the grandpa doing the cash register, and then the dad and the son were selling dresses to us. So um, definitely got family business going on sometimes. Um, what did you see in India that was different from what you might see here? Colorful. This country is colorful. Everything is painted like houses and things are painted really bright beautiful colors gates are painted gold and and um then buses like and semi trucks are hand painted with orange purple green any color under the sun flashing lights like a bus 
a normal bus that people are taking to go across, you know, to a different city has neon flashing lights all over it. And you like almost can't see out the window because they have all these decorations in the window. And all the taxi drivers have these like hanging things on their windows and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of decoration. It's like our party bus we take on field trips. <laughs> it is like a party bus, but <laughs> every bus is like that. Um, our school, you know, when we have to go on field trips with like a whole big class, we hire this bus and it's <laughs> yeah. like well, well, a now, party bus. Well, now we only have 18 kids, so we can technically take, <laughs> take the bus. Our, but before we had to take like, it was literally a party bus and it like had um, <laughs> like a phonometer and like streamers hanging down and the bus driver was like super fun. And they had these, these, these Me loud like, music. worn down, like, fabric pieces all over everything. Well, I'll tell you, one of the funnest things about the little city we were staying in is we were kind of staying at the, like, the one hotel. I mean, there were a lot of little hotels, but it was kind of the, the big hotel where everyone has their wedding at. And so there was like a wedding every day of the week almost because we were in, there's a season after this holiday that it's healthy like it's good considered good luck to have babies or get married during that time so everyone tries to have their babies then anyways and tries to get married but um they get a horse and they cover a carriage with fresh flowers like hundreds of fresh fresh, oh, wow. fresh flowers and then they decorate the front of the hotel with fresh flowers and lights and sh- and then these guys hold these big they're like two feet three feet tall they're just giant spinning flashing they look like umbrellas almost. They hold them like an umbrella and it just spins and flash. And then they yell and they block traffic and dance and sing in the middle of the street. And the bride is down dancing and the, the groom will sit up in the little carriage and they'll take him to where the bride is. Or And they just dance and it's so loud and so funny. And then cars are honking because they're blocking the street. <laughs> and so one night I'm like, oh my gosh, are they having a parade? And one guy looked at me, he's like, no, that's just, someone got married. <laughs> and they were like, um, I want a parade for my wedding. I know. If I ever get married again, throw me a parade and okay. dance in the streets, okay? I'm not going to spend two grand for you to have a horse take you to the wedding. <laughs> Anyways, but no, it was, it was very colorful, happy, Loud. We were two floors away from like the banquet hall, and we could hear the music and feel the music in 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 the floor of a hotel room. So that mm. was pretty fun. That's all my questions. Well, thank those you. were great questions, Georgia. We're so excited that you joined us on our podcast day. It's been a while since we've had a guest. I well, I guess our a... last podcast was Mom and Becca, but I mean that was like two months ago. <laughs> I know. So, well, as you can see, for the last two months, Natalie, I myself have been. Um, busy with brand new motherhood and actually it's been more than two months. Um, she is rocking it by the way. I'm glad someone thinks so. There's been lots of trials and tribulations and and like any new mother who is seven weeks post either giving birth to a baby or getting a baby um, through adoption, there is um, so many changes and so much pressure to do everything correctly. And so um, Rachel, where should I start? What do you think? Well, I don't know. Um, it was really exciting. You got the call. Yes. So um, we had been waiting for a year, and I just kind of got to the point where I was like, God, like I, I, I trust you, and I know this isn't your timing, but this is taking so long. Other families were only waiting a couple months, um, and it was the day before Zachary's birthday, and um, we had had a nice day, and it was like 11 o'clock at night, and I was laying in bed, and I was just about to fall asleep, and I got a call from our agent, and I was like, oh. <gasps> 
there's only one reason she's going to be calling me at 11 o'clock at night. So I answer the phone and she's like, I didn't, I couldn't wait till the morning. I wanted to tell you, you have a court date. It's a week and a half from now. And I'm like, okay. Cause that meant I needed to plan a whole trip to India in less than two weeks. And so I went out in the living room, I was crying and shaking and Zach's like, what's going on? And I'm like, trying to explain that we got the call. And anyway, so we were jumping up and down and hugging and kissing and crying. And my husband is not an emotional or outgoing person. And he cried and... Oh, he's so funny. He's like the most stoic person. He's the most generous and kind-hearted generous generous and kind-hearted person her husband is a very generous person and he has such a kind heart but he's very stoic very serious and I swear I have not seen him smile like that since probably your wedding day (laughs) so he um he was grinning ear to ear yeah he was so excited and gosh fatherhood has just been so natural and so good for him but it's um, been fun to watch but he's also such a good uncle to ariana mm-hmm. and he's such a loving person and oh my gosh anyway so we are find ourselves a week and a half later i had a list of about 45 things i needed to get done before we left there's all this paperwork you can't do until right before you travel um we got plane tickets which was really expensive <laughs> we did all that kind of stuff and zach yeah, had to get when work you're buying off. plane tickets like a week out yeah they are expensive and you didn't know what your return date was going to be so we kind of guesstimated based on what our agency told us but yeah so um and then there were just some like naivety like zachary had never left the country and it had been gosh almost eight or nine years since i've left the country and and so we had to get our like we had paperwork and i won't bore you with the details but anyways we had to get cash, we had to do all this kind of stuff. So long, long trip. I think I watched every Disney movie on the planet because they were like free to watch on the plane. Um, but we show up in India after like 30 hours of traveling because we were in the New Delhi airport for like 10 hours waiting for a connecting flight to a teeny tiny little airport where then we would get on a taxi and go four more hours to this tiny little village where our daughter was living. And so <laughs> we, oh my gosh, we were tired. We um and we thought we could get exchange our money at the small airport and the new delhi airport was crazy busy there were people everywhere and it was really smoggy and smoky and so and we were tired so we decided to rest and we did not exchange our money which was a huge mistake because we had all this american money and no indian money and then we got to this this second airport and it is the opposite of New Delhi. There's like 10 people in this whole airport. We didn't even like disembark in the airport. We got on like a tarmac and then walked like into the, anyways. So we didn't have any money. We had credit cards and we were able to pay for a taxi with a credit card. Um, But then we got to our first toll and we didn't have any money. And the guy's like, why no American money? And he spoke like no English, or he said no Indian money, spoke like no English. We're looking at each other kind of terrified because we had just spent an hour driving with this guy, which was a shock. The road was like made for one person and there's like buses coming and you have to honk so people won't run into you. And the driving, oh my gosh, I had never experienced such scary driving. You drove with me for years since I got my license. I know, but this was, Rachel, this was (laughs) different. Like this guy and we we didn't no one really spoke english so we kind of thought we explained that we were going to the city and we had no idea if he was taking us in the right direction neither of our phones were working we were in the middle of nowhere 
Um, but God took care of us, and I was seriously praying more than I've ever prayed before in my entire life. And uh, finally, we were able to find it. We had to go to three different ATMs, and this guy is being so nice to us um, because he barely can understand what we're saying. He paid our tolls in the first couple till we could get to a city that was big enough to have an ATM. And then sometimes the ATMs in these rural places aren't stocked every single day. And so like three of them didn't have cash. One of them didn't take our card. We have no phone to call our bank. It's like the middle of the night in America anyways. And we're literally in the middle of nowhere. And this, we're just trusting this, this cabbie to keep us safe. And like several times we stopped in these small villages and people are looking at us like, who are you? Like, anyways, long story long, this guy with his own money, and we promised once we got to the hotel that we would pay him, um, but he, with his own money, got us through all these tolls. There were like four or five of them, and um, and we paid him back, obviously, but I just am looking at him in the eyes like, please, like, don't drop us off with all our bags in the middle of nowhere to be mugged or something. You know, he was, he was very gracious to us. So he was... Um, could not remember. I think it's Kalari was something like that. Um, but yeah, he, he was like your our guardian angel there in the middle of nowhere. So you landed, you're exhausted. Next day you get to go to the orphanage and meet your daughter. Yeah. So we get to our hotel and uh, we just want to check in and fall asleep. We haven't slept in like a day and a half. And uh, this is the hospitality of, of Indian people. Um, our TV is not working and we don't care about a TV. All we want to do is fall asleep for 10 hours because yeah. we're meeting our daughter. I don't even day. have a TV in America. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and the, he's like, no, no, we're going to fix it. Then like five Indian guys come in. They're speaking Hindi a million miles a second. They're trying to fix our TV. And, and we're just like, we don't care. <laughs> like, and there were no even English channels. So we're, we didn't watch TV the whole time we were there. But finally they fixed it. We fell asleep. And then the next day we were under the impression that we were going to go to court and get custody of our daughter and bring her home with us to the hotel that evening. And nothing went according to plan, and it was very, very difficult. We showed up um, to the orphanage. They took us in a van. We're like, where's Serbi? We don't see any babies. That we, No one speaks any English. We were under the impression there would be someone who spoke English there. They said, interpreter, English, court. And we're like, okay, does that mean there's going to be an interpreter? Anyways, long story long again. Um, we finally have an interpreter show up, and she explains to us that Serbi is not in the orphanage. She had been moved to a different orphanage. Oh, that's right. I totally just a forgot. Couple she weeks. wasn't even in the same orphanage that you guys got a hotel at. But we to couldn't to her. move to be closer to her, even though she was moved to a different orphanage, because the court proceedings were happening anyways. So um, we're like, oh, we didn't know our daughter wasn't here. We so that was kind of gutting and difficult. So I'm like, okay, but I can wait a couple more hours. So we get to the court, and uh, court in India is very different than court here. Um, here it's quiet and, and uh, you know, but there it's loud. Everyone's talking in the courtroom. And I'm so glad we were there not in summer because it was like 80 degrees in the courtroom, and I was sweating, and it was so hot. And they do it when it's 120 degrees in the city. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So Which is so funny because – an adoption court and foster care court, whenever I'd have to go to court for one of my foster kids, you had to be invited into the courtroom. You, it wasn't just an open court where anyone could just come and listen to somebody. Like, Well, it was kind of like this, and this was family court. So they, they, it wasn't just adoption proceedings going on. Um, but you, there was like a waiting room, but it was so loud. Like anytime someone was called in, the, the clerk would come out and be like, 
yell at the top of his lungs. He'd be like, Prioter, and say the name. He'd be like, oh my gosh. Um, but in the actual courtroom, it's loud. Like, mm. they call like five people in and just like keep doing the cases. So, yeah, that's what I mean. Like in America, it oh, doesn't it's really, one at a time. It's yeah. one at a time. And you have to be quiet. You're not allowed to talk unless the judge specifically talks to you. Were you nervous at your court hearing? No, ours was really fun and laid back. The adoption court's a lot different than even just the foster care court. Mm-hmm. Well, Rachel, can you tell us? I mean, we're going to bounce back and forth, India. But what can you tell us about the call you got when you learned that you were going to be able to adopt Ariana? Oh, yeah, that's so funny. Because so how it works in America, foster care, it's a lot different even if you're doing domestic adoption through an agency. So she had been placed with us as an adoption placement, like parents weren't involved they were heading towards termination and as before if you listen to our earlier podcast that means the state is going to terminate parents rights we wanted to do an open adoption with her biological mother but then she kind of fell off the face of the earth and we haven't heard from her since but with ariana they had a determination and then once termination hits then she gets to move on to Um, the adoption unit and that's when the adoption social worker comes in you do your adoption paperwork you meet with your adoption social worker she starts meeting with you once a month you do um you fill all the paperwork then you meet your adoption licensor so we were licensed foster parents but then you actually have to become a licensed adoption parent. and that license only lasts a year whereas a foster parent's license lasts for three years so it's a whole nother home and study. It's a whole nother interview it's process. It's still all really up in the air until the day you go to court, Yes, right? but you could, it, at any point, they could come in and say, oh, a relative. Even after termination happens, a relative yeah. from like Timbuktu could come in and say, hey, I didn't know this baby existed and I would like to adopt them. Yeah. That's the hard part of adopting from the foster care system. You're adopting domestically, that's not going to happen because those it parents... It can happen where the mom, the biological yeah, mom... Yeah, she can change minute. her mind. But I mean, that's adoption... That's her right. But that's the thing is, I hope this doesn't discourage people not to adopt. Because even Georgia, you have a family. What happened with their baby? Um. Yeah, my aunt and uncle uh, wanted to adopt. And their first agency went bankrupt. And then another agency took pity on them and then they were in contact with that agency and then they were on the wait list and finally got in contact with the mom of um of who they were who the birth mom yeah the birth mom Mm -hmm. and um but there was another um agency that want that was trying to get in contact with her too and the other agency kept harassing her and she was trying to decide she was going to give her baby to and then she had decided that she was going to give it to the other agency and then she changed her mind and decided to give it to my aunt and uncle and then the other agency started harassing her and then for a while she said she wasn't going to give her baby to anyone and then mm. oh that must have been and so then hard her agency <laughs> told the other agency to stop and then my aunt and uncle flew down there and we're in St. Louis for quite a while, about six weeks or so. Oh, wow. um, Sounds familiar. (laughs) And um, they, finally she was born and then they went to court and they got to take her home. 
And you, I love that you showed me pictures of you with her little, and even after all they went through, they would do that again. Because I don't want people to be discouraged for adoption. You have those stories that happen with an agency going bankrupt or even in foster care where a termination doesn't follow through and kids end up going back home. That's devastating. But the thing is, I would go through everything all over again to have my beautiful baby girl. And when we, when I got the call at first, I was at my daughter, my older daughter's school at the time who I was fostering and we were at her high school touring the high school and I got a call and I was like, we're moved to termination. Like the termination paperwork is through. She's in the adoption unit. Now you'll get a call from the adoption social worker. And it's like, you hit the ground running, boom, boom, boom. It's always like, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. So once all that paperwork was done and through and we were approved as adoption licensing or whatever, I don't know that's legal terms for it and we got a lawyer then the most exciting call was when I got the call for the court date mm -hmm. and this is what's so cool is her rights were terminated in September and her adoption date was February 15th. that's a really quick that's turnaround. actually really quick because mm -hmm. termination then adoption unit then you get your date and usually once people go through and are approved for adoption then they wait another six months before they even get a court date. But she called and she's like, oh, there happens to be a random court date on February 15th. And I was in disbelief. Like the same thing when you get your call. It's just like it's unbelievable. Yeah, and it tears and it's like the happiest you've ever felt and, and the most frightened. Um, and it's funny because Rachel and I's stories are so different. Foster care and international are so different. But there's so many similarities. And also, like, any mom will tell you, like, the birth is hard. And mm -hmm. obviously, I'm not trying to compare what we th went through to birth. But our labor pains, quote, unquote, are just different. They were emotional, deep pains. Mm -hmm. Waiting for my daughter for a year. Waiting those, even, you know, until the day you walk into that courtroom. Nothing is, is set in stone. So we were actually in our court date, you know. Uh, we traveled across the world. We were exhausted. We had just gone to our hotel, like... At 9 o'clock the night before, we were jet-lagged. We didn't even know what day and night was. And we get to the court, and they refuse to see us. And the judge refuses to hear us. And our interpreter's trying to explain that we came across the world for this court date. And um, so they finally tell us that we won't be seeing the judge that day. And they said, well, you can come back on November 30th. This was November 2nd. And we Holy said, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> said it right, honey. Um, yeah, no, we and and they warned us. They said, "Don't cry," especially me because I cry a lot. <laughs> but they said, "Don't cry in front of the judge. It's just gonna make him mad." Um, and well, not mad, but uh, what's the right word? For you it? said the Indian culture; they don't like to see people cry. Yeah, especially they men. They don't like to see people emotional. Well, and he's like a very powerful, important person, and so yeah. I think it might have been disrespectful if I had done that. So I, I was trying to be respectful. I'm trying not to cry. I'm trying to trust God because He wouldn't bring us across the world and protect us from a crazy taxi drive, yeah. you know, and all this traveling and and just to be told no, and so. Our interpreter said, humbly, Natalie, go, because I'm the talker. My husband is, he he's there. <laughs> but humbly, I came and I just begged this clerk. I said, we have to do it soon. So the soonest he could get us in was the 18th of, um, of November. And so we went back to our, I started sobbing. And um, so then the interpreter said, 
Well, would you like to meet? That's Rachel making coffee. If you can hear those Sorry. weird sounds in the back. Anyways, our interpreter to the adoption people said, um, "Would you like to meet your daughter today?" And oh. I couldn't even. I think when I, I couldn't even. I just started sobbing, and Zach said. Yes, we want to meet our daughter today. <laughs> so um, that's why you have a husband who can like stay cool under pressure. Um, but I was pretty upset at the court, and I just but I needed to meet our daughter. So after another two-hour van ride, where my knees were up against this lovely little Indian woman who was Serbi's caregiver, the interpreter just spent those two hours explaining us everything the caregiver knew about Serbi, and those caregivers must have loved her because the way they talked about her was just what. Well, and you can see how loved Serbia is. She's a very affectionate little girl. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's other kids that you've seen who have come through orphanages or even kids in the foster care system who have no it's, idea. They don't know how They to don't be have any attachment or any affection. Mm-hmm. But Serbia, I mean, today I got to pick her up for the first time. And I just held her in my arms and I, like, almost started crying because it was just... Oh, how can you love somebody that you just met like so yeah. much? <laughs> well, one of the reasons Serbi, uh, we've been slow to let other people hold her, even though we've been at home six weeks, is because she was cared for so well and loved by the women in her orphanage, she doesn't know how to differentiate what a parent is versus a caregiver. So we've been teaching her that dad and mom aren't just another couple caregivers in your life. We're actually mom and dad. And so... Um, and that bonding has been going super, super well. Oh, she's well. bonded really well with you guys. So. Even your occupational therapist, or was it the physical therapist? Occupational therapist. She said wow, she was pretty amazed by mm-hmm. What did you say to me? Because we've all been saying, oh, she's bonded to you so well. She's doing so well. And then you're like, the occupational therapist says it. And then you're like, oh. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, well, yeah, that's like your mom saying you're pretty. Like, <laughs> Oh, but a professional says it. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, a, if a professional says it, I'm, I'm going to believe it. But my mom thinks I'd look. You know, she's good in a potato plant. Oh, yeah, that's what mom always said. <laughs> so, yeah, no, we, um, and I'd seen very few pictures of Serbi, um, but, and I didn't, you know, I was telling my husband, I said, I know 10 things about my daughter. That's it. Like, I knew her eye color and what she kind of looked like, and I, I, you know, because we'd seen a very few kind of pixelated pictures. Well, one thing I loved is, like, you said, I remember when we were talking before you even got the phone call, is... You were so emotional. You said, "I've never even seen her smile." Yeah, no, she'd never smiled in any of the pictures, and you've never heard her laugh. But I was like, Natalie, how cool is that? That the first time you see her laugh and the first time you see her smile, you're gonna be face to face with her. Oh, I'm crying because now the kid smiles and laughs all the time. Oh gosh, she has the best laugh. We yeah. gotta get it on this podcast one of these days so we can have Ariana and her laugh in the intro together. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we're, you know, I'm just. I didn't know anything about her because there's very few things you get to learn ahead of time. And we're just asking, getting things translated, and we are learning all these things about her. And then we walk into this orphanage, and everyone's very um, kind in Indian culture. You need to sit down and have a cup of coffee before you do anything else. So, you know, and I'm just, I can hear the kids laughing upstairs or like moving around, and I can hear kids, you know, upstairs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's my daughter. One of those is my kid. How is that anticipation? And so, so, um, and the caregiver was pretty excited because she hadn't seen her kids and the kids that had been at her orphanage for a couple of weeks. And so she was really excited to see them. So, um, finally we get to go upstairs. We go upstairs. There's this room with like probably 30 or more children in it and, and there's babies and, and How I'm just big. 
It's, I mean, it was a decent sized room, but they were all pretty close and they're like crib, crib, crib. But a lot of them were like newborn babies and little tiny babies. And then there were a few toddlers like Serbia. And then they had this big kind of like area where babies that couldn't walk yet but could like sit up were sitting in there. But if they fell over, it mm. wouldn't hurt. And Serbia was in her that little makes bed. Go that orphanage so oh, bad. It was hard to just leave. Just one baby, I'll tell you that. Um, but they said, Serby's bed is over here. And I was afraid, like, I wouldn't recognize her because I'd only seen really small kind of pictures and some of them weren't the best quality. And and But I knew her as soon as I saw her. And I went to her and I got down and I didn't expect her to come to me because, you know, I'm a stranger. And, and so I said, Serby, I'm your mom. And she sat up and grabbed me and... Oh. I let me pick her up and was arms around me like almost shaking she was holding on so tight and she put her head on my shoulder and she just stayed there for like <laughs> 20 minutes and she just like held me like I was a lifeline and I just I cried oh, gosh, and I no. just held her and I smelled her I never knew what she smelled like <laughs> I know it's weird but she um smelled like baby oil <laughs> and Indian cooking <laughs> But she, <laughs> my little she, curry baby. She did. She smelled so good, and she was so soft. And she, like, well, she loves curry. So, um, and she held on and just wouldn't let go. And and um, she actually looked at my face, which I did not expect. She kind of she has to be really close to your face to see you because of her vision stuff. But she just looked and she had heard her hands through my hair and just we had this very intimate special moment and then Zach was like I want to hold her <laughs> and so finally she went to Zachary too oh, and gosh. wanted to be held by him for about two seconds and then um but she just stayed with me and then she saw that the caregiver was holding another baby and she got kind of jealous and then had a tantrum on the ground <laughs> okay Serby's tantrums are like sitting on the ground pounding like she is not a little powder but um but yeah so but you know I and then they said we had to go, and it was Aww. really hard to leave her. I can't imagine you leaving her. I, I just, the differences between, like, foster care and something like that is a year ago, you got a picture of her and said, this is your baby waiting for you. A, a well over a year ago. Ariana got to be in my arms as soon as I wanted her to be in my arms. I didn't have to wait. It's like, oh, here's this baby. She's coming up for adoption. She moved me right away. And that's when I had, uh, after she moved in with me, then the twins Oh yeah. came back. I had these twins, and they had went home, and then they came back. So I had three under two, like your mama, Georgia. <laughs> so yeah. I had a set of twins that were 18 months old, and then I had Ariana, who was a nine-month-old baby. And a lot of people thought they were triplets because the twins were really tiny, and Ariana was a chunk. Yeah, because she was such a small baby when she was born, but then... She was small, but she was... Junky, <laughs> like, um, but it, I so I can't imagine like knowing this is the child you're gonna adopt, but not getting to have them with you. Like, I got the joy of having that. So, to, then for you to finally get to have her, have her in your arms, and then have to walk away from her. Oh, what's well, like a pregnant woman gets to watch as her baby grows in front of her, and my baby was growing and learning apart from me, and it was very hard. Mm -hmm. um, I just trusted God that we would come back because, and I'm trusting all these people that I don't know them. I've met them that day and they don't speak my language. And, um, but you know, I got to take Serbia out on this little 
um, like veranda type thing and just sing to her and she loves being outside even back then she loved it and and so we we just knew we'd be coming back as soon as we could I was about to like buy the house next door and just live there until <laughs> you know but Zach was the voice of reason we had to go back to the other city two hours away so that we could do all the legal stuff and oh and you know it's kind of funny you know like when you see a pregnant woman and yeah. other moms are like Oh, like, do this during your pregnancy. Do this during your pregnancy. It was kind of the same thing when you were in India. So many people were like, oh, well, have you talked to this person? Have you talked to this person? Oh, you need to contact the embassy. Oh, you need to, you know, get, like, overwhelming you. And it's like, okay, people, just let me make it through. Well, yeah. And but I wonder what this, you know, Rachel talks about how it was so much harder for me. I feel the other way because, Rachel, you've had placements fall through that you thought you were going to adopt. And... And the hardest thing, with Ariana, I had a group of four siblings. The youngest, I had her for almost five months. Brought her home from the hospital. The older three, two years, they were with me. And when they left, I literally felt like my whole family had fallen apart. And my marriage was on the rocks already. And that just kind of just sliced things. We tried to work on things. But then Ariana came in a few months later now looking back, maybe should I have taken a break from foster care and done a little bit of healing? But and that was my way of when I was grieving, Surviving. grieving so much, just pouring myself into other kids and continuing to take in other kids into my home helped me, gave me like a purpose for even living, like a purpose for getting up and breathing. Because when I lost those children, I lost everything. And it was so hard because I really had to like come up against God and be like, God, what are you doing? I have waited I have waited years to have children. Like when people used to ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a mom. Yeah, Rachel like, would carry this little doll around and be like, "That was, she wanted to be a mom. I just, I'm a mom through and through. It's the one thing that I've wanted the most. But And I felt like I had this family and I loved these kids and I invested so much into these kids. It's like the first night when that little boy that I loved so much combing through his long brown hair that probably hadn't been brushed and who knows how long and laying by their beds as they cried through nightmares to all of a sudden cheering them on on the soccer field and seeing all the growth watching them go to their first day of kindergarten watching them graduate from occupational therapy because they were able to come against all those obstacles all those traumas and you're like yes I put in all that work of course they put in all that work but you're like I love them they're a part of me and then to say goodbye although it was a beautiful thing. Those parents worked, worked their cahoots off. What's a cahoots? I don't know. It's a word that I made up because okay. I'm not allowed to cuss on this. <laughs> no, so they worked their themselves to get those kids. And they're doing amazing. And this was a family who would have been broken forever. And God restored that family because there was two parents who needed their children back. And if I would have kept those kids... I don't know where my life would be right now. And when Ariana came back into my life at first, it was really hard because I was kind of like, is the same thing going to happen? Am I going to fall in love with this baby? And then she's just going to be taken from me. Um, but, but the that's thing like is, God. He asks us to. But that can happen with your own biological child. Mm -hmm. I mean, you it could happens. have a baby and something can happen. Like, it's not guaranteed. You know, there's so many women who suffer miscarriages. Mm -hmm. It's, there's never any guarantee. So you have to give your children to, to God. God because he's the only one that can hold 
their yeah. lives. And and Ariana, when she she breathed life back into me. And when it came time to adopt her, the even hardest part was my husband said no. My husband at the time. He was like, no, Ooh. we're not adopting her. <laughs> oh, yeah, Georgia doesn't know this. Oh, <laughs> like, you're getting the whole She's getting the scoop. scoop. <laughs> I know. As a teacher, you kind of like. The sugar-free ice cream scoop. Yeah, the sugar-free ice cream scoop. No, he said no. And I had told him, that would be, you can't tell me no. This child has been in our home for over a year. I've had her since she was a baby. And the kids, people don't realize, you know, we... We are adults and we focus on ourselves so much. But how brave she had to be to fall in love with new parents, to fall in love with new foster parents. Oh, yeah. You know, for the child has to be brave. Obviously, people are like, oh, you're so brave. You adopted from India. You're so brave. You adopt from the foster. It's like, what about what they went through? Yeah, we're like chickens compared to the, you know. And what, how, can you imagine her, her, her mom, all of a sudden be like, oh, sorry. I mean, he never bonded with her, so he didn't have a relationship with her anyways. So I think she just kind of knew him as the man that was living in the house. <laughs> like, but And she loved her siblings because I had five kids at the time. She loved her siblings. Can you imagine just being like, but she was mine through and through, so I fought tooth and nail. It was weird. They like have the same personality, and most people don't know she's adopted because they're so alike. Like she, she is my chosen and, by God, and we are she attached. Looks at like the, Rachel too. She does. I know, and they we have are the same faces. We are attached at the hip. She's my little big bump, eyes. But, <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the only thing you guys don't have in common is the big eyes. <laughs> well, she's like my little broke best friend because <laughs> she makes you spend all her money. And, So, I mean, had to fight for her. Like, it wasn't just this big celebration all of a sudden. Guess what? You get to adopt your daughter. It's like... He's like, ugh. Yeah, you... Months of physical therapy, months of occupational therapy, doctor's appointments. mm -hmm. What? She had feeding therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy... That was, like, that was all the therapies, but it was a lot. (laughs) But it was fun. I visited. I saw her when they first got her. Visited four or five months later, and it was a different kid. Like, I, you almost couldn't recognize her. She had changed and developed and grown as a person so much. So that, that and she's itself. so happy. I mean, Georgia goes in her classroom and volunteers all the time. Georgia, <laughs> she says Georgia when she sees her. She just loves her. She is a happy kid. She's sassy. Mm-hmm. Don't get me she's wrong. Got, I think you, when you're fighting from the day you're born, you have to be like vivacious and you have to be strong and you you know we're trying to temper that i'd say it like i'm raising her too but you are raising her <laughs> like you're there every day oh gosh i love seeing ariana and serby together Ariana's the first child that serby's been around and the first child that serby opened up to and engages. oh yeah now when they see each other they kind of scream at each other and they laugh at first i think ariana was a little much for Okay, so I'm just going to cut us off right there. Um, We're having such a great conversation, but it's running pretty long. And so we're going to break this conversation up into two episodes. Um, Episode one, part one, and part two. They'll both be posted this week. So if you want to continue hearing about Rachel and I's adoption stories, please tune into the next episode. And thank you so much for tuning in. And thanks for listening.